This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. The Ontario 2023 budget. It's a lot of spending. If you get out of the way of the actual number, it's a huge thing because infrastructure was were big issues. Infrastructure was talked about a good chunk during the Ontario provincial election last June. I mentioned it before top of the hour. Ontario said we need to build highways in addition to building transit. Ontario said we need to build homes in addition to taking care of people experiencing homelessness, which seems to be, uh, there's just no doubt about it. There's just way more people experiencing that, way more, like exponentially more than 15, 20 years ago, way more. Peter Bethlenfalvy said as well, some of what's in the budget will help Ontario reduce the deficit. I'm pleased to report that in 2022 fiscal year, the deficit is projected to shrink to just $2.2 billion. In 23-24, we plan to further reduce the deficit to $1.3 billion. And starting next year, we will return Ontario to the black with a modest surplus of $200 million. Okay, now some of that ends up being, you know, you glaze over and there's hundreds of millions of dollars involved and you say, what does it mean for me? Right now, it doesn't. So let's talk housing. And it's going to be critical. And we'll bring it up a few times this morning, I'm sure. Our housing shortage is going to get worse before it gets better. I always ask you on the show, which direction do you think this is going? Take homelessness. Do you think it's getting better or worse? Crime. Do you think it's getting better or worse? I mean, these are all massive issues coming up in Toronto's mayoral by-election on June 26th over the next three months. We need a lot of homes. So I saw a lot of criticism yesterday. Um, The province is adding a lot of people. We need homes to put them in. We have the province has a target of building 1.5 million homes from 2022 to 2031. And there's 29 targets for municipalities. For example, they think they can build 285,000 homes in the city of Toronto. I don't think they can unless they speed up or change their tactics. But that's the plan, meaning as well in Ottawa, they need 8,000. Here's something the NDP fails at right now. I'll tell you really quick. What's the distinction between developers and criticizing? Developers feel like, oh, my gosh, the developers. That NDP makes them sound so evil. And the willingness of the Ford government to kind of play loose with, with some of the development rules. It's a big difference. Developers are building the houses we need built. We have to have houses. Ergo, we have to have developers because we're going to have people that want homes and they have to be affordable. So don't complain about homelessness. <laughs> okay. And then, and then tell me that you don't like homes being built. Don't tell me that things aren't affordable. And then when the government attempts to build affordable homes, remember, there's there's that yimbyism vis-a-vis nimbyism right now. And let's not forget as well how many people were losing to other provinces. The brain drain used to be a thing to the states. People used to go south. They can make more money, pay less taxes. Now they're moving west and now they're moving east. We already know that the number 40,000 Ontarians have moved to Alberta just in the last 12 months. I'll ask again. Do you think that's going to go up? Or do you think that's going to go down? You know the answer. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Pleased to welcome on uh, Vic Fidelli. He, of course, Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade. And he joins us now on Toronto Today. Vic, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Greg. And uh, you you mentioned my ministry is Economic Development, Job Creation. That's uh, exactly what this budget is all about. You know, we have a lot of global uncertainty and 
But yet Ontario's economy is resilient because this plan that we've put in place, it really does help people, it helps businesses, and it lays a really strong foundation for the future. Some of job creation is impacted by health care, and I will admit I didn't see a lot for uh, easing the current concerns of, of people in the healthcare uh, industry. And I know that there's been talk from your government about getting uh, nurses, doctors, specialists to move from other provinces to, to a province that, you know, on average is a more expensive place to live. Am I missing something in a, in a like I said, a lot of pages that would be more of an economic incentive for a nurse in Halifax or a nurse in Edmonton to come and live in, in the GTA? Well, we've made it easier for nurses around the world to come and work here in Ontario, uh, uh, where it wasn't able, where they weren't able to do that in the past. We've got a program of learn and stay. You can go to certain colleges and universities throughout Ontario, um, learn your, get your nursing degree, and make a commitment to stay in that area for a certain length of time. That's a brand new program as well. Um, yeah, we've hired uh, 60,000 nurses in the last, uh, since, since we were elected, 12,000 last year alone. So there are huge incentives. This year, you know, we've added two medical schools, one in Brampton, one in Scarborough. Um, we're adding additional graduates now, 154 postgraduate uh, graduate medical training seats. Uh, giving Ontario residents the first shot. And we're adding another 100 seats at the undergrad level to give uh, Ontario students the top spots. So you know, these are all of the pieces that we're putting in place to make sure that we have the health care that we need here because of so many people coming to Ontario and so many people uh, being attracted to the tens of thousands and, as it turns out, hundreds of thousands of jobs we're creating here in Ontario. I, I like that you're you're making it more possible to get, uh, like, the Premier's right. And, and I think there's actually bipartisan approval. We, we've had these... Um, there's oh, too much red tape in place. Uh, doctors shouldn't be driving cabs. Doctors shouldn't be waiting tables. Nurses, sh- nurses shouldn't be at the checkout at Costco. No job is dishonorable, but that's not what they trained to do. Um, you're where you are for a reason. Our listeners are where they are for a reason, because at some point they trained and decided that's what they want to do. That said, I... I just don't see for a nurse from Edmonton to come to Toronto, given the difference in cost of living, rent, all of it, uh, housing. I, I don't know what the what the, the the win is for financially if they're making similar salaries. Why would they move from Alberta to here to work in healthcare? Yeah, well, we've got uh, five hundred thousand immigrants a year uh, targeted for Canada, and as it turned out, we had four hundred and fifty thousand of them. Uh, immigrants come to Ontario alone last year. Uh, and so we've got great training programs, great opportunities. We're going to grow Ontario through immigration. We're over 15 million people now. Um, this is exactly why. And it's because uh, we've got a, a, a strong Ontario that, we're, that we're building and we continue mm. to work for the people uh, managing our, cha- uh, our challenges. We're training those workers, we're providing. Uh, connected health care. We're providing better public services. You, you talked about the doctors earlier. Think of what we've done with pharmacists. You can now go in there and get a shot. I got my flu shot there years ago when, we, when that was put in. You can go there and uh, have 13 of the most common ailments done. You don't have to go to a doctor. You don't have to go and sit in an emergency room. We're adding now to what the pharmacists can do, things like acne and other things. 
So this is a really changing uh, healthcare system, and it's just stronger. It's better, um, yeah. uh, and, and it really does uh, uh, show that we're that we're providing these additional services. I, I know Vic Fidelli is our guest on Toronto today. Um, I know it's been mentioned about Toronto, but I think all mayors, you've been a mayor in North Bay. I'm, I'm sure all mayors uh, understood, and I don't think there was any great expectation of, um, as it's deemed a bailout, what's the message for all mayors in the province uh, for those men and women to h- handle themselves financially? I think we all realize that we're in a bit of a, an economic COVID hangover now, and we want inflation to drop and we don't want to, you know, too rough a ride with a recession. What do you tell all mayors across the province about the budget laid out yesterday? Well, I think it's a, a very, very strong. It's a very responsible, targeted approach it's really about helping people and about helping business. Right now, uh, it's putting uh, billions of dollars into uh, infrastructure uh, right across Ontario. Um, we're really about building Ontario. Uh, it's all about getting the infrastructure built faster. We're attracting new investments. Take the auto sector as a for instance. Mm-hmm. We were uh, just only a few years ago. It was announced that 300 billion would be spent in the EV sector, and zero of it was targeted for Canada, because our cost structure was right out of line. We had high taxes, high hydro rates, red tape. That was all changed around by Premier Ford, and now we've got lower taxes, lower hydro, less red tape. We attracted 17 billion dollars in brand new auto investments. So instead of the auto sector fleeing Ontario, we've stabilized that, saved the 100,000 jobs, and now we're adding tens of thousands of jobs. And that 17 billion is before the Volkswagen announcement. So this is really the place around the world. People are looking at Toronto, looking at Ontario as this sea of tranquility Mm. and all of the world turmoil, Greg. We've got to get sea of tranquility on the license plates next time um instead i like yours to discover though now you bring up electric vehicles and yes the saint thomas uh the, the saint thomas announcement was phenomenal i know that area really well being from london that's great but we are going to ask questions for sure in the in the years to come the months to come about electric vehicles other provinces are giving financial incentives there wasn't a financial incentive with the wind government there isn't anything yet is that something you think is inevitable does it not have to be inevitable to give it's very difficult in tough times to tell people go out and buy a more expensive car and help our environment when there isn't the financial incentive and there isn't something coming back to them well, other provinces are using their taxpayer dollars to incentive people to go buy a foreign-made car, plain and simple. Here in Ontario, we're using taxpayer dollars to invest in companies to come and build EVs here in Ontario and put tens upon tens of thousands of people to work. So that's where we think a better use of the dollar is, having, uh, fighting for the workers and providing you a job. And so when you think of the critical minerals in the north, all the way down to the building of the vehicle and every single thing in between, we have it all in Ontario. We were not utilizing that before. The companies were fleeing. So again, putting the taxpayer investment into saving those 100,000 jobs and expanding it. We went from zero. Bloomberg just a few weeks ago said that Canada is the number two supply chain uh, battery maker in the world, only behind 
China were number one in North America. So we went from zero to number one here in North America by saving all of those jobs, converting them all to electric vehicles, uh, making green steel in Hamilton, uh, you know, with our clean energy and our great uh, uh, critical mass of, of workers and ecosystem here. That's where the investment should be. Absolutely. Six um, percent of all vehicles in Ontario in 2022 uh, were either fully electric or hybrid. Couldn't I make the case, though, that a tax rebate would increase that number? And the more cars you sell, the more people have jobs in the electric vehicle cycle and circuit. Well, we have multinationals making multi-billion dollar decisions on which products they're going to make and how many of them they're going to make them. We want them made here in Ontario, and that's where we're going to continue Mm. to invest in the people's jobs. We think that is what people really want, is a job, and that's where we've provided 600,000 more people are working today than the day we got elected because we've created the environment for them to have a job. This budget pushes that even farther now. Mr. Fidelli, thanks very much for the time. I uh, I wish we had more, but next time around, thanks so much for doing this today, the morning after uh, the budget, and have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Greg, anytime. Vic Fidelli, Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation, and Trade. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's News, Today's Talk. 640 Toronto. If they gave me three hours and said if there was a market for it and they said, do a three hour show on education, I'd love to do that. I love uh, talking about education. My parents were teachers. You know this already. Uh, I won't bore you with the details. Um, Boy, they were rough on me. They really they really dumped on me a lot. I'm going to tell you. And uh, last night we had parent teacher night at the at the high school. And a a it's great to make eye contact, be back in person. And Mrs. Brady said, listen. It's five minutes a couple. And I'm like, you can't even get into anything in five minutes. But nonetheless, we met uh, three of the four teachers. One of the teachers had to uh, bail, and I'm not sure why. Um, Maybe they knew I was coming. But either way, we had three great educators. And uh, there's two things I spotted last night. One is just phenomenal people. Like, I, I believe in that Malcolm Gladwell thin slicing thing where you can get a real read on somebody after two minutes. They do this all the time with, uh, with speed dating. And, uh, and explain, you'll know whether you've got a connection with somebody very, very quickly. And I really liked all three of the teachers that we met for our two sons last night. Secondly, they're telling me the class averages. And I'm like, this myth that marks are just good marks in high school are just handed out like candy. Um, not the case. I'm not. I don't know. It, it's there's this perception because university standards have gone up. Well, they're just giving everybody A's and B's. They're not. You got to get the work done. Um, and I think testing is important. We've talked about that. I think we should have got back to testing a little earlier than we did last year. All these education issues and many more, including what was in the Ontario budget yesterday. I'm uh, happy to talk with with OSSTF President Karen Little, which she always makes time for our show. Karen, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Good morning, Greg. It's nice to be back on again. It, and again, when you and I were kids, when our parents would go to parent-teacher night, we'd sit at home waiting, uh, you know, and, and hoping, boy, there wasn't going to be a, a, you know, a big meeting at the end of the night from what our teachers said. But uh, we got through it last night. I'll put it that way. My mom always went to and it drove me crazy, but it does make a difference. I'm really glad that you went and had that experience. I, uh, I loved it. I love being uh, being back in the schools. Um, all right. The provincial budget comes out yesterday and the OSSTF took some notes. And um, are there are there things you like and things you dislike about the budget? 
Well, I heard you use the word shortfall uh, just before the break and mm-hmm. uh, shortfall, shortcoming. The word we've been using is short change. Um, I'd love to say that there was something significant in the budget for education. There really isn't. It's great that there are highways. It's wonderful that the minister took us on a road trip through the GTA and all the wonderful places. I didn't hear people mentioned, though, for the first half hour of his presentation. And I think that's where we need to be investing right now and in the people of the province. Province, uh, in the public services in particular, but in education, because the students are the ones who are being shortchanged right now. And we need to have deliberate funding for the students as opposed to actually um, a reduction in funding. I know there's boards that are looking at their budget for the next school year saying there are going to be staffing cuts. Aren't some, I mean, not all, uh, a sum and people would differ on the percentage. Some of those staffing cuts are for the post-COVID world that we now live in. Do we not need as many lunchroom supervisors? Do we not need as many uh, caretakers and, and custodians? Because that was the big deal. Teachers said, hire more lunchroom supervisors, hire more custodians, keep the schools as clean as possible, the virus, et cetera, et cetera. We need less of those people. Couldn't I make that argument? Well, we need we need caring adults in the building, and those are the people who support. And it's not necessarily the teachers in the classroom. It is the custodians and the secretaries and the early childhood educators and the educational assistants. That extra money for COVID, a lot of it went for mental health supports. Mm-hmm. And the minister said clearly yesterday, we don't need that money anymore. I think he might need to visit a, a high school or an elementary school and see the needs that are there. They are significant. Having emergency funding in for a short period of time without determining that the need is no longer there, that's the issue that we have and that we need to have those caring adults in the building in all mm-hmm. areas of the education team. The, the mental health issue, absolutely. It's a it's a huge problem. And uh, I don't think there's any amount of funding um, th- that can uh, th- that is too much. But there there's obviously going to be a baseline. But again, on the on the custodians, if we hired extra people to take care of cleaning the school during what was an uncertain deadly virus in 2020, 2021, why do we need those people going into 2024? Well, so it might not necessarily be one particular job class, but what we're seeing is a decrease in the funding that's available for education and none of those emergency supports. I'd love to think that the emergency with COVID is over, but people are still getting it. We still do need some extra protections and supports in place. But when you look at the overall budget, it was uh, 18% of the provincial budget um, education was in 2019, and now it's down to 17%. But you also have to factor in, since that time, there's an extra $2 billion coming from the federal government for child care. So it's a much larger decrease that's happening to education. Karen Littlewood's our guest, OSSTF president. Um, 88% of spending from the province is compensation. Our neighboring state, Michigan, we know teachers aren't paid as well in the United States. They get 74.8%, but they spend more on facilities. I'm not going to dig into the compensation number, but I'm going to ask for schools. We talk about the buildings being run down and new infrastructure being needed. Can we do that? We Teachers are well compensated and they have a great pension. That's obvious. But can I make the case also that it's difficult to repair schools when such a high percentage goes to compensation? So what happens in education is you have humans delivering a service to students. And and we want to make sure that students have all the supports in place that is needed. We've got to be looking at the buildings, though, because there is still an almost $17 billion 
shortfall in repair backlog. So those are schools that are crumbling, that are not necessarily getting the attention that they need. There was no money that I heard in the government for that mm -hmm. in their announcement. There was a little bit for new schools, and that's wonderful. We need that. We have a population that's growing. We've got to be able to meet the needs of the students, but we have to be looking at the investment in education and the fact that when you spend a dollar on education, you get a dollar thirty back for the economy because you're saving on social services, you're saving on the justice system, you're saving on health care. Believe mm -hmm. it or not, when you spend in education, you're saving in health care. Enrollment, I see, is down. The TDSB had lower enrollment numbers. I wish we had data. I see it in, in the U.S. as to uh, where these kids have gone um, post-COVID. I, I think this is a tragedy, and I don't know where the numbers are, and I don't know whose responsibility is to come up with them. What I see, though, is an uptick in percentage, a slight one, in the private stream, especially in high schools. Do you, do you see those numbers? We have more parents that have put their kids into private schools which I assume means less kids in the public school stream in the last few years, percentage-wise. Well, I think you'd have to ask why they're doing that. And in many cases, it's because of smaller class sizes. It's because yeah. of the attentions that, that students receive in those buildings. But as soon as we start putting public money into private institutions, which is happening in Ontario in some cases, we have to be looking at the fact that we're taking it out of the public education system. Public education is the great equalizer. Everyone should have access to skilled, talented professionals who are going to guide them because these students are really the future of the province. We should be investing in them and not shortchanging them. You saw the data, I know, on uh, on violence in the schools. I know it was, a, uh, I mentioned it last time we talked, you had a great conversation with Alex Pearson about it. This is what I hear from principals and vice principals is they go to superintendents and say, we've got a massive discipline problem here. We've got a culture that's going the wrong way. We need to be able to a protect ourselves and B, we need to be able for you to approve suspensions. This is all I hear from is principals, vice principals in the public stream that can't discipline kids. Do you hear those same issues? Oh, absolutely. We're in talks with the principals associations as well. And that's exactly what happens when a principal does what's needed to do in order to address the needs. They're being sent home on home assignments. So that's really a problem. But but Greg, what we have to look at is the supports that could be in place earlier where we could identify needs, where we could be saying, you know what, maybe we need some extra supports for a student or for a group of students so that we're not ending up with incidents that are that large scale headline. We don't want those incidents in our schools. We want to be providing the supports all the way through. And a school is a place where we can identify those needs. And if we had adequate mm. funding to have the adults there to support them, we could be meeting those needs. That's not what's happening in Ontario right now. How do we how do we advance the conversation with superintendents, with school board members to understand how serious this is? You know, you know, I back teachers, you know, I don't want them going into scenarios where their health is at risk and they want to protect vulnerable kids as well. And they don't feel like they can right now. Yeah, so Greg, the best thing to do, we wrote a letter to the minister, I guess about a month ago now, asking that we have an action table to talk with them about the short term, the medium term and the long range solutions that we need to be looking at. We need to be consulted as the people who are working in the education system. We sent that email 
Mm-hmm. We haven't heard back at all. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, we need a willing partner to talk about how we can problem solve. And it's not just a Band-Aid at the last minute. It's looking at supports throughout the whole system. 100%. And uh, and yeah, I want to get superintendents on. The next time we have Minister Lecce on, I want to push him on those issues as well, because I, I, I know this can get solved. I know this can get worked out, but teachers have to feel safe in their environment. Thank you for the time this morning. And I know we'll talk really soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Greg. We'll talk again. You bet. Karen Littlewood, uh, OSSTF president, joining us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, our in or out, uh, you can text us on this particular issue. And uh, on Wednesday now, I'm at the uh, I'm at the gym. I go to the gym sometimes. And she, do I talk too much about the gym? Is this an insecurity thing on my part where I got to? No, I love talking about the gym, so I'm biased. Okay, okay. Maybe ask Gord. Gord, do I talk about the gym too? <laughs> <laughs> to me, the gym is like Narnia. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll bring you. I'll bring you, and uh, and you and I will uh, videotape ourselves uh, in the hot tub <laughs> together, and we'll send Instagram the video to live. Sheba. Yeah, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll do an Instagram. Live. Yeah, we'll do a Toronto Today uh, uh, chat. Not with a not a chat GPT. I don't want a robot in the hot tub. But you and I will sit in the hot tub. Uh, Sheba can join us remotely because she's not allowed in the men's locker room. That's as right. far as I'm aware, unless no she wants to allowed. challenge the rules. But there is a communal hot tub. We all <laughs> could do it. Okay, so I see this couple at the gym, and they're probably eh, 30. They're not kids. And I, I admit, at the gym, I've always been more of a, of a solo artist. My son goes to the gym all the time with a friend or another friend. Sometimes he goes by himself, but he'd rather go... With um, with a couple of dudes, I see women there and women. My wife goes and she's got this great community with her gym. And so some people like it. It's a more communal thing. I'm a solo artist, but I see this couple Sheba and I've seen them about four times now. And uh, they they can't they can't keep their hands off each other. The PDA gym factor is. No, what do you mean by that? Off like the how hook. bad is it? How intimate is it? There's OK. There's a couple high fives. There's definitely. <laughs> kisses on the lips um there's there's just cutesy stuff like a little pinch on the not on the <laughs> butt but there's like a little arm pinch look we've all been there where we so can't what you're saying is not that they can't keep their hands off each other <laughs> they're affectionate they're showing affection okay. i think there's a line and i you know i think you and i could have a lot longer conversation and we will um someday about about PDAs in general, I I love holding someone's hand. I love I, which is my wife, not just anyone. Someone, any, I was yeah, going to yeah, yeah, say, yeah. hopefully, twenty three years of holding the same person's hand, and I haven't uh, I haven't wavered in my opinion. Um, but I think I think PDAs are ah. Uh, I think there's places and there's a time and place. There's a spot where it works, and the gym ain't one of them. That, so I'm out on PDAs at the gym, and I want to know where you guys land. Okay, I am absolutely in on this. I I think it's so cute. Here's the thing. If you're at the gym and you're 
showing affection to each other, as long as you're not taking up extra time using a machine or you're in my way and you're being res respectful of other people, go for it. I think it's wonderful. You have that connection in your relationship. I respect it. I admire it. Um, if you're telling me they're in their 30s or early 30s, you got a long way to go. So keep that up. Yeah, they might have met a week and a half ago. Maybe I've seen them the exact same <laughs> four times at the gym. Maybe this is something... And uh, everyone's like that. And then initially, you know, before the novelty wears off, before life, you know, gets in the way, before kids come along, you're all like that. I think we're all like that. But here's the thing. There are five reasons why couples who sweat together stay together. Whoa. Okay. One, it increases your happiness with your relationship. This is a scientific study. Increases your happiness. Uh, it improves the efficiency of your workouts. Uh, it makes your partner fall in love with you. And there's something about that, like the... The sweating and the, you know, I mean, it's, it can be comparable to other exercises. That's right. Uh, helps you achieve your fitness goals because you're egging each other on. You're, you're supportive of each other. And it increases your emotional bond. So for all of those reasons, I am in on couples who work out together. Gord, would this be uncomfortable for you? Would this be like, uh, like, like just, just something that you don't, you're like people that are too loud at a restaurant, people that have an opinion on everything. I'm neither of those things. Um, is this would this be uncomfortable for you to be running on the treadmill and watching some 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 pecs between reps? Not on the pecs, but pecs meaning kisses. Um, some suggestive spotting. <laughs> There's all it's all happening with these two, I'm telling yeah. you. Um well initially I was out. I was with you and it's just but <laughs> Don't I, let Shiva change your mind. Yes! No, 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 I've been this all weekend. Let him talk. Let the man talk. <laughs> hey, but it's a, it's a small out. I mean, it, it really doesn't irk me as much as it does you, but I'm thinking now that Maybe um, it's usually uh, the man in the relationship that needs coaxing to go to the, to, to the gym. And so it's like a carrot on a stick dangling in front of him <laughs> to get him to do it. And so, you know, you look like some, uh, some kissing, some holding hands, get him to do the elliptical, get him on the treadmill, and then uh, it's done. So that's, mm. that's it's a small O on my own. Okay. I, uh, our text line is 416-870-6400. I predict an absolute blow up of this. Let me read you a quick wait, wait, DM. Have you seen the the, the latest I haven't text yet. that just came? Here, well, you, it, let's you. Get, here's the DM I get. You guys are really something. The gym is disgusting. Your fit your fitness club might be fancy, but Sheba just referenced how much sweat there is. To me, kissing in a gym is one step above kissing in a public restroom. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. No. To quote Chris Rock when he got hit. Wow, dude. Um. Okay. What's the text? The text is, when you describe this 30-year-old couple, sounds like they're having an affair. Well, maybe no. don't do it at the gym where all of Ajax, including no. Sean Mendez from Pickering, congregates. You guys maybe don't do love. it there. No. Okay, what if this couple was in their 60s, Greg? <laughs> Would yeah, you feel the same okay. way? You, you've, you, you're, you'd be a great lawyer because you've got me on the run now. I can't be as upset. By am I jealous of their uh, of the thirty year olds' bodies? Uh, and do I wish I was thirty sometimes? Maybe that's are it. they attractive? Let me ask. Yeah, you they're they're yeah they are. Oh, so you're just that guy. It's like high school all over again for you. Everyone's what? having fun without you. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Everyone's going to the dance, but you. I'm not unhinged uh, uh, watching them, and and but listen, there's. Um, they're engaging in um, like if it was a crime, I would charge them both with. Um, how can I? Public horniness. Oh, it's a, that's what it is. I'm sorry if you're having. They're high fiving each other. That's no, what you described. No, no, there's it pats. As. There's there's congratulatory hip pats and there's things. Okay, but this and, guy um, might be a genius because men can get turned on just like that. We know that. Women, it takes. It's like a pot, right? And you have to. Like, the water starts to simmer and starts to boil. So maybe he starts at the gym. 
And maybe the real workout happens when they get oh, home. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. Now, see, again, there's only men's and women's locker rooms. Maybe there's now going to be a coy locker room built. And then <laughs> next thing you know, it's a brothel, Sheba, without people getting oh, paid. I can't have is. that. I, I, listen, I, there's every chance somebody will go out tonight for dinner and you know how you people watch. You, you, you know, we're all engaged in great relationships, but you'll see somebody in your and my wife will say or I'll think they they look like they're on a first date. Isn't that great? They can't. They're touching hands. They're drink. They're sharing food. And they'll be, you know, they'll be making out in the parking lot within three. I'll look the other way because they're out for dinner. They're out for dinner. They're flying somewhere. Put your head on the shoulder. We're going to see the Eiffel Tower in five hours, sweetie. That's great. (laughs) But those are tipsy indiscretions in a restaurant booth compared with, you know, like looking like you want to shag at the peck deck. That's no, or or a hamstring curl. That's no good to me. The texts are coming in. Get a room. Thank you. Out with like multiple T's behind it. Uh, And I'd just like to say for the record, I do not agree with that DM that you got. A public (laughs) restroom and a gym are not the same thing. There's sweat. There's bodies are contorting. Public restrooms. Okay, there's one that has sweat and one that has feces and urine. Two different things. (laughs) And if the man worked out like anything like I worked out at the Just, gym, it was he pretended that he was really sweating. It, 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 look, go home and enjoy each other's sexy 30-year-old bodies. They the are. Privacy of your, the privacy of your own home. We, He's I simmering work the out. pot. He's I want an uncoupled. What's the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris Martin thing? I want to be uncoupled. Conscious uncoupled. With my, with my views. <laughs> I, want bl- I want to work out in blissful, uncoupled peace. So and many no people PDAs. texting. Saying they are having an affair. No, you Stop guys, this. true love, true love. <laughs> the 60-year-olds or the 30-year-olds? Both. All you gave of the, the above. Okay, okay. Dave Bradley, PDAs in general and PDAs during a physical exercise. Look, I know we have an obesity crisis. I shouldn't be telling anybody not to go to the gym. I'm not telling people that. Spend your hard-earned money and, and work out. But no congratulatory butt pats or, or high fives or, or no no pecs at the pec deck. That's I, all I'm asking. I, I'm going to be honest. You sound like an old man shaking oh your fist at a clown. <laughs> I'm okay with it right now. An old prude? You are an old prude. Oh, my. Let, you, a geez. prune and a prude, I think. <laughs> you stay in that hot tub long enough, you become kind of prune-esque with the fingertips. And stop staring and at people in the restaurant. I, but it's that's weird. just it. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm invading their privacy. They're not invading mine. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Last night, two things, and and the Blackhawks were on the road last night, so I'm not sure when this night was, but we saw this early in the afternoon. You all know, and we talked about this Monday, James Reimer, the former Toronto Maple Leaf, over last weekend, refused to wear a a Pride Night warm-up sweater uh, where you would go out, warm up. It's a special, distinct uniform with rainbows on it and different logos for the Sharks. So he wouldn't do that, and he came out and explained why. Then the Chicago Blackhawks added their names uh, to a list of teams saying we won't, none of us will wear the pride warmups. And um, the reason is very strange. Now, they do have some Russian-born players, but they will not wear the warm-up jerseys for Pride Night, citing security concerns for the Russian players because there is, Russia's terrible to gay people. Um, they are, and they passed an anti-LGBTQ law that makes it illegal to promote, quote, gay propaganda in Russia. So they think there could be repercussions, I don't know, for family members or when some of these players go back to Russia. Incredible, including former Maple Leaf uh, Nikita Zaitsev, who lives in Moscow. He goes back in the summer, 
And I mean, look, this is often Shiba, you know this. This is the defense for uh, like an Alexander Ovechkin will say basically people will defend him and say, what's he supposed to say about Vladimir Putin? He'll go back there for two months and they're pals and someone so prominent saying this war is wrong or it's disgusting or it's terrible. Um, I, I We're not walking in their shoes, but I also think this is this is a weak excuse of the Blackhawks. Now, Eric and Mark Stahl, who've both played for Team Canada before, uh, they grew up in Thunder Bay, they play in Florida, and they played the Leafs last night. And they cited religious beliefs, saying, after many thoughts, prayers, and discussions, we have chosen not to wear a pride jersey tonight. I don't know what we do here. I don't know what the plan is going forward. But the NHL has to figure one out, because this is just silly. It's hijacking people who just want to talk about the games, but it also isn't getting a lot done in terms of documenting that everybody's on board being an ally here. It's not, it's not working for anybody. No, it's really tricky. And you know what? No one has come come out blatantly and seemed homophobic as far as I know. They're citing their religious uh, beliefs, and that's where they're at. So, I mean, even with James Reimer, he had you know issued a statement, I believe it was last week, regarding his personal faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins, and in response asked me to love everyone and follow him. I have no hate in my heart for anyone, and I have always strived to treat everyone that I encounter with respect and kindness. Now, if this goes against your personal religious beliefs, and you also work for, this is where it gets tricky for me, you also work for an organization that's telling you, that gives you your paycheck and is telling you, hey, this is what we're doing for our our pregame right it's a pregame practices yeah that's where they don the jerseys yeah. and people are saying no to it this isn't the first time this has happened i mean this has happened uh, i did some digging for example with cricket there's cricket there's soccer where a lot of the muslim players they didn't they they refused to don any type of jersey that had uh alcohol on it so a company that like castle lager have you heard Castle that? Lager? Yeah, yeah. Lager, yeah. Okay. Castle Lager. Um, a lot of British South African, a lot of South African teams that refused to any kind of an alcohol brand. So what they were given is they were given jerseys that didn't have the alcohol brand on them because they don't they don't drink, they don't want to support this alcoholic company and mm-hmm. promote it, whatever the sponsorship is. So I'm wondering if the NHL will also go that way uh, for these religious beliefs. And it's tricky because what do you do? How far do you take this? And if one person is saying, no, it's for my religious beliefs, is everybody else going to follow suit and say, no, it's for this reason, for that reason? And then what happens to, does this affect inclusivity? Does this affect inclusivity? Are you being inclusive or can you still be inclusive and not wear the jersey? Right. And and is it is it because of who you are? Uh, is someone I, I mentioned this with, say, something like Orange Shirt Day on the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. If we work with somebody of indigenous heritage, somebody from the First Nations and they say, I think the orange shirt is silly and I'm not wearing it. Well, well, or what are we not going to do? Listen to them. Like if, if, if someone p- says, I don't, hey, kid in, kid in school, I don't want you wearing that orange shirt. They, my goodness, the story it would be for a school to discipline a First Nations child or a high schooler or a university student who says, hey, stuff your orange shirt, get us clean drinking water and better living conditions. I don't need an orange oh, shirt. Okay. I don't need that, a- But that's a great discussion to be had. But yeah. that's silly. Doing it for a silly reason is different from a religious reason, I think. So these players are coming forward citing their religious beliefs. They're mm-hmm. saying that we, they're respectful of the of of the organization and the movement, but they don't want to wear the jersey. Uh 
And you know what? When this first happened, I think we heard about this a couple of months ago, right? I think it had just started. Well, Ivan Provorov in Philadelphia. And and he said, I'm Russian Orthodox. So I think it's, I wonder if the pendulum swung a little bit. It doesn't make people hypocrites, but I wonder if the pendulum swung for people going, oh, well, these guys are Christians. And I, you know, there's me. I was baptized Catholic, but I don't practice, I don't practice a religion. And I try not to discriminate, but I do have my beliefs. Remember again, I, I've got a friend. I've got a friend who I guess we could call a couple friend now, Sheba, and they just they are they are like a hundred percent pro life. What am I going to do? I talk them out of it some night over dinner or at a ball game? No, I won't. So do I get enough out of the relationship to disagree with them on on an issue? They're really, really like they're very pro life. <laughs> That's the best way I can yeah. put it. Okay. And what am I supposed to do? Like end a 25 year friendship over this? We just went through this with are you getting vaccinated or not? And you know and I know there's people that ended friendships and families split apart with dads and daughters and all this stuff. So I'd love to let let everybody be who they want to be, but you're right, it gets to be a tricky territory when someone at your work says, "Hey, put this on." <laughs> like I don't know, I'm not I'm not really for forcing people to wear things. I'm not. No, but when you're see, I I'm with you on this. I agree with you. But if my employer, it's just if this when you're when they're it's your paycheck. I just think that's where it gets tricky because they're working for this organization. But we're getting so many texts in on this already. We haven't even given out the number yet. <laughs> so tell us, how does a team and its athletes support issues like LGBTQ, for example, without forcing anyone to do something they don't want to do? Is there a way to meet in the middle there? Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Let us know and look at these these texts. Just because they don't mm. wear the jersey doesn't mean they don't respect people. The people that the jersey represents. Yeah. That's a good point. It's an awesome point. 416-870-64. And and I'm not saying people, people see this in different ways. Some people say you're promoting inclusion. And James Reimer and maybe the Stahl brothers are saying, I don't agree with the concept of... Of, of homosexuality. And I'm like, ah, that feels discriminatory. But if you're not understanding um, the concept that it's, in, and you go, no, 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 it's in, this is about making people feel comfortable coming to the damn games. That's what this is trying to do. Not, mm-hmm. hey, I agree with every act involved with being gay or lesbian, or I, 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 I don't even know how to get into that. I'm not attracted to men. I've never been attracted to men. This is Greg Brady saying this. I've never been attracted to men. But I would never, ever, ever, ever discriminate against somebody who is. And I'd wear the damn jersey. But they won't. That's how it is. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not a religious person, right? So it's interesting. I wonder. And for me, I'm like even Ivan, Russian background. So I wonder if there's something about all of them seem to be Russian so far that are coming forward. And I wonder what the repercussions Mm. are in Russia. For having to for wearing this mm. in the United States, 